Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Badham. And in this episode, we consider how to build and recognize a global workforce. And my awesome guest today is Laura Mafucci, GP's Senior Director of Global Talent Rewards, HRIS and People Operations. Globalization Partners is a company helping organizations that hire in more than 180 countries around the world within days and without the need to set up costly international subsidiaries. In her role, Laura is responsible for planning, development, and implementation of the company's total reward strategy and the processes and systems that help make the employee experience seamless. Sounds pretty good to me. Hey, Laura, welcome to the show today. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. So beyond my reintroduction there, Laura, why don't you start by taking a minute or two and introducing yourself to our listeners? Sure. My name is Laura, and I have about 25 years of human resources experience, primarily in compensation and total reward space, along with HR systems, as is demonstrated by my title, I suppose. I have lived in Massachusetts my entire life, and I have two adult children. And I'm really excited to talk about um, what we do at GP and how to keep mental well-being of employees top of mind through these crazy times that we're in. Crazy times indeed. And we'll get into that in just a sec. Okay, thank you very much. By the way, I love Massachusetts. Uh, My family had a couple of weeks around Cape Cod in the summer. What a beautiful place. Oh my goodness. Very pretty, yes. (laughs) Okay, so GP helps organizations to beat the competition. Uh, Sounds pretty good by quickly expanding into new markets and finding new opportunities. And you guys say that you can do all of that with just a few clicks. Tell us more about the functionality and, of course, the overall mission of GP. Sure. So um, at GP, we are um, like to say that we're changing the way the world works and by Mm -hmm. enabling companies to hire anyone, anywhere around the world. Um, Another thing that we like to talk about is how we're democratizing the workforce and that it used to be that in many cases to do what you wanted to in your career to advance, you needed to leave your home country and go to the United States or go to the UK or go somewhere else um, just to be successful. And now with the world of remote work, um, we're we're making it possible for people to stay right where they are and um, do great things and excel in their career and share their talents um, globally. We make it really easy. You know, it can be very time consuming to set up an entity if you want to, you know, expand into Mexico, say, if you're a U.S. company or the U.K. or anywhere in the world. Um, It it can be a lot to open up an entity and get everything in place and be very time consuming and take months to even over a year sometimes. So what we allow you to do is um, through our platform and our expert advice that we provide, go right in and hire people, generate employment contracts with our employment contract generator and get people onboarded and up and running um, very simply and very easily without having to go through all the complications of opening up an entity. 
Why not subscribe to the premium version of HR in Review? You'll get ad-free content, early and extra episodes and more. Even better, although it's the premium edition, it's absolutely free. Sign up at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast. Okay, so we've just lived through uh, an extraordinary few years, of course. Uh, part of the uh, the lessons from the pandemic, if, if, if you will, uh, were that um, the the workforce, it, it ain't, it ain't about being regional anymore. Uh, it's a it's a global workforce, and there's a global pool of talent that companies can pull from, which I think is awesome as someone who works remotely a lot of the time. Why do you feel it's important to the business to be able to tap into wider or indeed new talent pools? You know, there's a lot of business reasons um, that that exist. A lot of the times it's um, easier to reach a global market, an international market, if you have people on the ground in in that region or in that country um, and all those sorts of things. Um, But I also think there's a less obvious benefit to it or need for it right now. And, you know, the world is a crazy place and there's so much focus on divisiveness and differences. And I think the more exposure we all have to people in other countries, in other parts of the world, um, more holistically, it, it builds an understanding. And when you have that understanding and you know people um, personally in other areas of the world or other cultures or with other mindsets or differing opinions, Um, It naturally creates a connection that I think is so absent in so much of the divisiveness that we see everywhere. Okay, you're just batting these out of the park today, aren't you? Jeez. Okay, (laughs) so (laughs) do do you see different incentives and rewards then, Laura, having more impact on employee engagement levels in in some territories over others? Yeah, Maybe that's for cultural reasons, I don't know. Um, And so if you do, uh, maybe you can explain uh why that is and perhaps you could even point to a couple of examples of different territories that 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 respond in different ways sure i think this falls this tends to um be more evident around things like benefits um more so than um actual cash compensation cash is king cash is cash and there's there's no getting around that um when we talk about more indirect compensation, um, other forms of direct compensation, like stock, for example, that could be very meaningful in one country. It's very meaningful in the U.S. It's very meaningful in certain jobs in the tech industry in India, but in other countries, um, it's either not as meaningful or in some countries it would actually be a detriment to give an employee stock because of the tax implications. So I think that's a really um, important thing as organizations are looking at how to compensate a global workforce. You know, it might feel in good spirit and a good intention to say, oh, we're going to give every single employee stock. Well, that's great. And that's a great intention. But you don't want to give people things that aren't valued. And you certainly don't want to give people things that are going to cause them more trouble than they're worth for them. So um, I think it's important to really understand what is valued in a particular country before putting together that rewards package. Okay. Thank you very much. Now then, as you, as you kind of hinted at earlier on, the main focus of today's conversation is around supporting the, the mental health of employees and, and indeed leaders. Um, so let's get into some questions around that now. Firstly, can you can you paint a bit of a picture of some of the, the stresses placed on employees, just employees, we'll talk about leaders in a moment, but on, on employees 
over the past few years? Sure. I mean, I think all of us, um, if you really take a step back and looked at what, at what has happened since um, early 2020, we've all been through a collective trauma. Everyone has lost something, whether you you know, were fortunate enough to come through the pandemic without being laid off from a job or without losing someone close to you um, due to COVID or getting very sick yourself. Um, even if you were lucky enough to come out that way, you still, we all lost something. We lost the way of life before, which we, I don't think anyone can deny that things are very different. And I think none of us were prepared. I think we all um, kind of were walking around in a false sense of security, almost that this is the way things are, and this is the way things will continue to be. And to just suddenly, you know, on a moment's notice, all of a sudden we're all in our homes um, dealing with things that we never thought we would see in our lifetime and having to adapt to that so quickly, that's, that's traumatic. And um, it's changed, I think, the way people are approaching everything in their lives um, from the way they work to how they spend their spare time, what they value. I think it's just flipped everything on its head. And it's, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. It's an unfortunate way for us to have gotten there, but people have just been having to completely rethink how they live. Okay. Um, and what about leaders, Laura? As a leader, it can be really difficult to, um, because we're all going through this, you know, no one, it's not like this is just happening to employees. We're all dealing with things. And so to be a leader, oftentimes you have to push aside your own feelings um, and how you may be um, handling a situation in order to help lead your team through that, whether it's, um, you know, the, the sudden shift to working from home and helping your employees adapt to that when you you yourself are trying to figure out, oh, God, I don't even have a big monitor. How am I going to do my job anymore? And, oh, the kids are always running in and the cat's jumping on my computer. You know, you're, you're having that, too. So um, I think that can that can be a huge challenge for leaders in managing their own emotions and their own feelings and what they're dealing and struggles that they're dealing with while helping their employees through it as well. Um, I do think that the shift to working from home and putting us in each other's living rooms has actually leveled the playing field as in many ways for leaders and employees, you know, we're in each other's homes. So, um, you know, the CEO of the company could have a dog run in or a kid run in or the fire alarm start going off in, in their building. It's just like anybody else could um, while in the, in the middle of a meeting. So it's really humanized um, everyone in many, many ways, I think. Let's give those leaders some practical tips now, some some practical takeaways. We always like to do that as part of this show. How, how can how can employers keep a better grasp on their employees' mental health in real time? And as part of that answer, perhaps you can suggest what are the signs that employers should look out for regarding employee mental health wellness? I mean, it's not always obvious. You mentioned a second ago that lots of people work remotely now. Um, that, that's a new barrier to, un to understanding, to recognizing the, the, the mental well-being of employees. So talk us through some practical tips. You know, I think you have to be very connected as a leader um, in order to pick up on some of the subtleties that that might pop up. You know, it's it's easy to say somebody's performance could be failing, or they're missing a lot of work, or missing deadlines. Things like that are really obvious, um, but a lot of times that's that's not how it um, presents itself. So, as leaders, you know, in order to be tuned into 
your team and how they're feeling, you need to also be very conscious of how you're feeling and make sure that you're taking care of yourself and know when you need to step away. Um, it's important to model those behaviors for your teams um, and to take time off. I know that um, our new CHR started about a year ago and she's very, very good at being mindful of her own time and taking care of herself and making sure her team is as well, but seeing her do very small, small things. I'm talking simple as pinging you and saying, let's start the meeting five minutes late so we both have a minute to grab a cup of tea. Things like that. I would never have thought of that. I'll, I'll sit there all day and won't get up all day. I'll just keep going and going and going. And so to have leaders who are taking care of themselves and taking time off themselves and protecting their time off, that gives employees this, this permission to do the same themselves. Um, so I think it's setting that example is really important. Um, I think to notice in, in your team, um, I think you can tell if you are a connected leader. I think you can you can sense subtle differences, especially if you have really strong performers or um, people who are fairly open with you. Like when you have your one-on-ones, make sure that you're not just diving right into work. Ask how they're doing. Learn about their personal lives. And then that will allow you to notice subtle differences in their behaviors where you can tell you know what, they're not fully themselves. They're not as positive as they usually are. They're, they're not talking as much in this meeting or contributing as much as they usually are. Or, oh, she seems to be getting more easily annoyed by little requests and little things. Something might be up. Maybe they're overworked. Maybe there's something going on at home. But being mindful of that and not just jumping to, oh, What's wrong with them? She didn't contribute in that meeting at all. She's not. She's not performing well, or um, she shouldn't be so snippy when she's being when we're when being asked for things. And don't immediately jump to there, which is I think historically as leaders or as organizations, you would directly go to some sort of performance issue. Um, but taking that step back and thinking, what is going on with this person, and how can I help them to get through this so that they continue to be the amazing contributor that they usually are. And, and what does that do for engagement levels then, Laura? You know, if, well, if, if a leader, if, if, if they get it right, you know, and, and they're, they're bonding and they're showing their vulnerability, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What does that mean for the engagement levels? And also, of course, the retention levels, because this is a huge concern of a lot of organizations going into 2023. Oh, I mean, if people feel seen and heard and valued, um, they are going to stay with an organization and they are going to do their best for that organization. I mean, not just the organization, but that leader, you know, that I I don't love that cliche, you know, people don't leave organizations, they leave leaders, because I don't think that that is always true. But I do think it makes a marked difference in someone's engagement and in someone's um, wanting to stay with an organization if their leaders are tuned into them, see them as whole human beings and not just someone sitting there um, cranking out work and really values them. Um, gives them opportunities to stretch and to grow and to become the best versions of themselves. And that's really what engaging employees is about, is creating the space in an environment and a culture that allows people to become the next best version of themselves. Okay, let, let, let's just get to know you a little bit better then, Laura. I wonder, do, do you have a leader in your career, maybe a couple of folks, uh, mentors in your career that you could point to? Feel free to name names if you want to or don't. Um, but I'd, I'd love to hear your experiences of folks that have inspired you in your career. Oh, I've been so lucky. I've been, I've worked with some incredibly strong, um, empathic 
female leaders over the course of my career. Um, Kathy Gillis, um, who was my first um, leader in the HR space, who literally just gave me compensation with no experience whatsoever and let me learn it from the ground up, then also gave me HRIS with no experience and let me learn it from the ground up. Um, learned so much from her. Um, Jane Workowski at Ocean Spray, uh, again, someone who just gave me a runway and let me run with things. Um, always supportive. Um, I've always had a relationship with leaders where I can, you know, really talk to them. And if I have been going through something personally, they've been incredibly understanding. So I've always, I've always approached once I became a leader, um, trying to do the same for others. Um, and really, I am the first one to give somebody who has never done something before the chance to do it. In fact, I prefer that a lot of the times um, is to have somebody who doesn't have any knowledge of how to do something because they're probably going to come up with a better way to do it than somebody who's been doing it for years in a lot of cases. Um, and then now at GP, I, I just I truly don't want to gush because I will start gushing if I talk about Richa. Um, Richard Gupta, our chief human resources officer, is inspires me every day. I feel smarter every time after I've talked to her every single time. Um, I feel I feel she her empathy um, and not that I lack empathy. I've always been very empathic, but she is so empathic that it brings it more to the forefront for me than it ever has before on being wisely compassionate as a business and having empathy as a leader and understanding while still being, you know, expecting excellence and expecting great results um, and how to really, as an organization, put employees first and have the decisions based on data, but also on how they're going to make employees' lives better. And at GP, it has just struck me so much with so many of the things we've been able to do that a more cynical person could say, oh, well, they're just doing that because it'll save money or they're just doing that because, you know, other companies are doing it and we know we need to to attract the talent. And of course, like those things are there, but that's more like the sprinkles and the frosting on the cake. At the end of the day, a lot of these things that we've done, the entire leadership team, a senior leadership team, C-suite is the reason they made the decision to do these things was because of caring about people and creating as much equality across the globe for all of our employees as is feasible when you're working with different regulatory environments and different laws and different things like that, all around the benefits and um, compensation and total reward space. Um, you know, for example, we just rolled out flexible time off and we rolled it out globally. And of course, in countries where you get statutory time off, you still get that, but you use that first, unless there is a gap in a policy like bereavement in a particular country and you need bereavement time, you can use that flexible time off. But basically you are empowered to take the time off you need when you need it. And in the United States, people can be very cynical because that means no vacation accruals. Um, and oftentimes companies might make the decision to do that because they won't have to hold that accruals on the, on the books anymore. Well, that's not why we made the decision to do it, first of all, a fraction of our employees are in the United States. The majority of our employees are outside of the United States. So it's not a, it's not a material savings of any kind for us to roll up flexible time off. It truly was because it aligns to who we are as a business and putting trust in employees and empowering people to manage their own times and 
and be the best version of themselves and manage their time in a way that is right for them and putting that choice in their hands. So that's just one example. Um, but that's really, that is the motivating factor behind anything. Rich has taught me to always set before you start working on anything, a set of guiding principles that are based in the care and well-being of employees and the best thing for the business and being wisely compassionate. And then any decision made around anything, you go back to those guiding principles to make sure that it aligns. And I think that's, that's just been so inspiring for me. Um, and that's what I love about GP is it's enabling me to approach work and do this work in such a different way. Sorry, I just rambled, but you got me talking about Richard and that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So given your, your previous answer there, I've got to ask you, um, cause it's a hot topic at the moment. Um, but I'm going to challenge you to answer in 60 seconds or less. I do that. Oh God, I'm bad at that in any <laughs> circumstances. <laughs> what, what, what's your take on the, uh, on the four day week? Uh, lo- lots of countries are taking it very seriously at the moment. The UK, for example, is trialing it all over the place. But what's your take in 60 seconds or less on the four-day work week? I like the concept because it's allowing people better ability to manage their time. What I don't like is that in most cases, the day of the week that you're not working would be probably consistent across the company. And then that takes away choice because if I'm an employee, it might be better for me to have Wednesday be the day that I don't work. And everyone, you know, the company says, okay, we won't work Fridays or we won't work Mondays. So I just like the idea of baking in flexibility overall and not expecting and managing on outcomes, not on output. So if you can get everything done in four days, as long as you've gotten that work done, that's fine. I don't care. Um, So yes, I love the idea. I don't love it being mandated um, and not giving the employee choice because everyone's different. Because we need flexibility. Exactly. That's why, listeners, we've got to be And treat flexible. people like adults. Adults <laughs> know how to manage their time. You don't have to monitor them like a child. Imagine that brave new world, eh, Laura? Um, hey, we are already coming towards the end of this interview. I've just got two more questions for you. Um, and, and the next one, maybe you might want to recap on some of the answers that you've given so far, but I'd, I'd be keen to get your take on how have we seen the societal perceptions of mental wellness in the workplace change over the past few years? So that's the how, but also, of course, the, the why. And we have, I feel we've touched upon this before. We've spoken about empathy and so on and so forth. But but sort of as we look to wrap up our conversation today, what, what, what's your take on on that change? I think it's um, it's completely different now. You never used to really hear about it. I, I can think back in the, you know, around 2017, you just started to hear about it more in the workplace and it started to become more of, of a thing. Um, now, I think it's table stakes um, for being a good employer who takes care of their employees. Um, and it might just be me based on my preferences, but my entire LinkedIn feed is things about mental well-being. And again, that's probably the algorithm. Um, but it, it's it's just so much more out there than it ever was before. And, you know, I think even the, the jump to go back to the office and, and companies mandating, okay, well, going back to the office or we're doing hybrid, you have to be, you have to be in person. That's being very tone deaf to what's going on out there. And that's not necessarily good for people's mental health. People need to be able to have some semblance of control over their own lives and how they work and how they live. Um, so I, I do. I think you, you, can't, you can't employ human beings 
without focusing on mental well-being right now. Never mind the if you even if you took the pandemic out of it and you just look at everything else that's going on in the world, you know, from wars to other social injustice and things like that. Um, we've instituted things um, called circles of care. So when the war broke out in Ukraine, we have a lot of employees in Poland and um, in that region. And we we had circles of care where employees could just come and talk through what was going on and how they felt about it. We've done that around some of um, the more, you know, mass mass acts of violence and mass shootings and things like that. We will have circles of care. So employees just have a place to come and talk. Um, so, you know, because it, it, it is going to impact. It is going to impact their work. Um, and I don't go to that place a lot and say, well, if you do this, they'll do better at work because I mean, to me, it's just treating people like human beings and being empathic. Um, and that's the, really the driving force behind it. But it, it almost seems unnatural that we're all getting up, up every day and going to work. Um, you know, my kids, my daughter's 27 and my son is 21 and, you know, they, they look around, they're like, the world is burning, but I'm just supposed to like go to this job every day and not even think about it. And that's a very millennial Gen Z way of looking at things. But in many ways, they're right. It, it's hard to be like, what is this thing that I'm doing? How is this even meaningful in the bigger picture and the grand scheme of things? So, you know, you, ha- you have to focus on that well-being and ha- making sure people have a sense of purpose. Rock and roll. Completely agree with you. Okay, and just finally for today, how can our listeners learn more and connect with you? By the way, I've just sent you a LinkedIn connection request. Uh, So maybe LinkedIn, maybe email address, maybe you're really, really cool and you're all over Instagram and TikTok. Who knows? And also, (laughs) of course, (laughs) how, how can folks learn more about GP? So for GP, um, our website, um, globalization-partners.com or GP, I think we're g-p.com now. And um, we have a huge presence on LinkedIn. So following us on LinkedIn is truly the best way um, to stay up to date with everything that we're putting out there. I am on LinkedIn. And while I will confess to having a bad TikTok habit, of, that's how I wind down at um, the end of the night, um, I do not post. <laughs> so that would not be a place to see me. Um, but yes, I am on LinkedIn. Perfect. Well, that just leaves me to say I've had a lovely conversation today. Um, Part of my job is I get to listen and learn. And I've certainly done that with you today. Laura, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Have a good day. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. And remember to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media.